0: there's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at dubaii1038.com
1: Yes, even fashion is being featured this year at the festival and to tell you more about this we've got the lovely Hafsa Lodi joining us in the studio right now. Welcome to the studio Hafsa. Um, so you've covered fashion in the region for a decade i I believe um you're a seamstress as well a a designer too part-time yes (laughs) part-time designer um and you can also now add published author to your credentials as well
0: Yes, it's so exciting.
1: So um, your nonfiction book is titled Modesty, A Fashion Paradox, and it's launching at the Emirates at First on Friday the 7th at 6 o'clock. Um, you won't be alone in launching that, will you? Either? No, I won't. So who are you going to be speaking to as well? well? I'm very excited that uh, the hijabi model on the cover of the book,
0: Maria Idrisi, will be joining me, as well as Grislan Gwenez, the CEO and founder of The Modest, which is a Dubai headquartered luxury modest fashion
1: website. Okay. Thank you very much for letting us know. So Ghislaine Gwenez, Mariah Idrissi and yourself are going to be talking about modesty, a fashion paradox. And I think the first thing that I want to talk to you about is is you. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about the, that comes up at the festival is you meet all of these authors, some that you may never have heard of before, some you're really familiar with, but there's always the origin story of your heroes always. that comes up. And I also
0: sometimes feel incredibly nosy I suppose. It's like, tell me about yourself. Yeah. Who are you? How did you get this idea? You know, but what, it is genuinely interesting.
1: Yeah, as, as, you know, why did this um, geneticist become a geneticist? Or why did this writer become this best-selling author? Like how how did that happen, and where was the seed of inspiration sown for you? So I sown good pun. <laughs> I never imagined I'd be um,
0: an author of a fashion related book. I always enjoyed fashion. I think at the age of seven, I started taking sewing lessons while living in Texas in the states. Um, so we would go to this lady's garage, about five or six of us, and I sewed everything from mailboxer shorts to a TP. TP tent. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I used to, I kind of stopped for a while, but then um, started sewing dresses and started doing embroidery and beadwork. And I've always really enjoyed it. I've had to take a bit of, it's taken a bit of a backseat since I had a baby. There's no more time for that now. Um, but then journalism, uh, I studied journalism in university. I never really thought I'd be a fashion journalist. I was more interested in these issues about community and religion and women's issues. Um, So that's kind of where my two worlds collided with this book and this topic, Modesty, A Fashion Paradox. It's very uh, heavily related to the Muslim community, but also fashion, so it's, it's great.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the most important point to make here for anybody listening is this This book yeah, is about fashion. It's not a pretty like coffee table book at all. There is a lot of content and a lot being discussed in this book. Yes. I mean, it has beautiful images, obviously. Um, the lovely Mariah I just see on the front cover is just a stunning picture to behold. Yes. Um, but I, I want to talk later about the paradox idea of this because we don't have time to go into it right now. Um, but what did you want to achieve with this book? Why did you write it? I think um, to kind of shatter a lot of the stereotypes about modest fashion,
0: especially in the West. um, It's interesting because a a story about this book just went on the Daily Mail two days ago. And the comment section is crazy. Everybody is going crazy about this. Um, It's very... It's such a controversial issue in the West, whereas mm-hmm. here it's it's a different, we're celebrating modest fashion always because it's part of the cultural fabric here in the UAE and in the Middle East. But in the West, it's still very contested um, in this kind of Islamophobic environment. And it's also not just a Muslim issue. It's not a Muslim topic at all. There's, it's not just a religion topic. And I think that's what this book tries to, the message this book tries to convey.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't, there are some things that I just didn't know in terms of like simple facts and statistics that is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah,
0: it's um, it's this report uh, about the state of the Islamic economy report by Reuters and Dinar Standard. They've uh, estimated that by 2000... 21 Muslim consumer spending worldwide will reach 368 billion US dollars which is a 51 percent increase from 2015 and by 2050 the Muslim population is supposed to be 30 percent of the whole world so this is kind of what these this is where this modest fashion movement is kind of coming from brands are targeting this Muslim and Middle Eastern spending power which is why it's been kind of catapulted into the mainstream.
1: Because it is quite a controversial Um, topic, isn't it? It is. What have you found and what surprised you researching this book?
0: I think what's most surprising is that women who do not necessarily ascribe to this modest fashion lifestyle can get so offended so easily by the word modest. Um, When Marks and Spencer started selling hijabs um, in their store, there was a huge boycott of Marks and Spencer. And it's interesting because these stores are only catering to a specific Community of shoppers who historically have been underserved in the industry. And nobody is preaching modesty for all women. Nobody is saying everybody must cover up. It's just a different option for women who can choose what to wear. Um, So it's interesting to see that so many women are offended and taken aback by the word modesty. A lot have said that you shouldn't call it modest fashion, you should call it something else. But what should it be called? It's um, modest, conservative, covered up. All of these words may maybe offensive to these women for some reason. So that's that's been interesting to learn how controversial an issue it is, especially when the hijab is involved, because hijabs have become such a loaded political symbol in the West and it's very interesting to see how people are reacting so passionately about it on both sides.
1: Did this surprise you, Eva? Um yeah, and I guess part of it is having lived here for for so long. Um
0: and, and I it's not until you actually go go back to Europe or Whatever that you, you realise how your impressions and ideas have been coloured by by living here, um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great seeing that look in mainstream shops and and that's maybe a slightly personal thing because as you get older maybe the idea of modest fashion actually becomes more appealing or whatever religion you are um and i love seeing all those dresses in the shops with with sleeves and so on so it just it's a normal part of fashion really i think and if you've lived here is what you're used to seeing Yeah, yeah exactly and they're not necessarily targeting this region or um Middle Eastern culture. I mean, some of these dresses are Victorian inspired. They're high necklines, the tiered ruffles. They're beautiful. They're not religious garments they at all. gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Um, but also, we, we've spoken a lot about kind of the negative reaction to this um, in the West. But also, I think... It's becoming increasingly popular to cover up as, as a feminist choice, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is. And I think this is because for so many years we've been fed this image from Hollywood and the mainstream fashion and entertainment industry that the more skin you show, the more attractive you are. or You know, you look hotter, the more scantily clad you are. These are celebrities like Madonna and Kim Kardashian. They've kind of helped fuel this image of... Attractiveness in the mainstream media, and not all women are comfortable with that. Whether they're religious, whether they're not, it's not um, something that every woman wants to do. Put her body on display for, you know, for the world to see. And so, there's been this gradual shift in the mainstream fashion and entertainment industries towards more covered-up clothing. And I don't mean covered-up head to toe. I just mean less plunging necklines, longer hems, um, more choice. Yeah, more choice. Yeah. And it's interesting because. It's really it. It really is affecting the mainstream industry. In 2017, there was a Jimmy Choo ad that showed Cara Delevingne walking down the street wearing a red uh, mini dress and Jimmy Choo boots. So this was a, a campaign for their collection, and she's walking down the street being catcalled, and so and she's making the whole experience look glamorous and fun. And this is kind of an image that the mainstream media has pushed. Um, but this ad was pulled by the brand because it was criticized for being sexist and it's it's good to see that these you know these big brands are
1: waking up to this um this alternative message (coughs) sorry of showcasing fashion and I think that that ad is problematic on many levels um but what I also wanted to talk to you about is the idea that um so your book focuses on women mainly
0: on women mainly but there's a small section on men because uh, it's interesting to see there's actually also some sort of modest fashion movement
1: because I think men. I, th- I think that's the biggest part of some of the kind of backlash against modest fashion is because how, how much it tends to focus on, you know, what women wear, yeah. not necessarily the yeah. restrictions around what men wear.
0: Yeah. And also um, there's this argument that people think, oh, women are having to cover up because to avoid men, t- the temptation of men. And that's not that's not the women don't dress for men. You know, that's a very misrepresented statement women dress for themselves and i think they're especially non-religious women who are turning to modest fashion they just like the comfort and protection it offers and this isn't protection from men from the looks of men it's protection from these societal beliefs that you have to show your skin in order to be attractive and it's these societal pressures that define a certain sort of beauty so it's it's really not about men but yes there is um it's interesting Men can wear sagging pants and show their you know, their the back of their boxers and their t shirts are super tight. That's not modest for men, you know. So it's interesting there's this also there's this movement going on about men too.
1: I'm really interested to hear um what your fellow panelists are going to have to say about this and and kind of hearing where the longer discussion on this goes at the festival um just very briefly because we were talking about just the sheer um volume of money involved in this industry multi-billion dollars and just how it jumped up you said 51 percent from 2015 yeah and from 2015 um i I thought it would be interesting to talk about how much you know instagram is responsible for that i mean is that is that a big part of it i think if not for
0: Instagram, I don't know where this modest fashion movement, whether it would even be a movement. its um, Instagram's the main vehicle through which this modest fashion movement has been pushed into the mainstream. So today, just in the morning, I searched hashtag modest fashion on Instagram just mm. to see what you get. There's more than 2.2 million posts tagged with modest fashion. And these aren't all hijabs or Muslim women. These are women from around the world, regardless of their religion or background or heritage, showing their different interpretations of modest fashion. And it's amazing because they're really inspiring each other. They're also in turn inspiring fashion brands. Um, It's also interesting, there's this uh, exhibition called the Contemporary Muslim Fashions Exhibition, which launched, I think, last year in um, San Francisco at the Fine Arts Museum of San Francisco. It's then gone on to Germany, and it's coming back to the Smithsonian. Uh, in New York next month. And even those museum curators said that they used Instagram as an inspiration for sourcing and recruiting modest fashion brands. So, yeah, Instagram is very much to credit for this movement.
1: Um, kind of, where where did this start? Um, if it started from anywhere? I mean, that's possibly a really difficult question to answer, though. It's very difficult. For years, m- des- women especially, have been creating modest
0: designs for other women who follow modest dress codes. So... It may not have been mainstream, but all of there have been designers for years serving this community, and now that Marks and Spencer's, Mango, H and M, DKNY have kind of dabbled in modest wear as well, that now it's become mainstream. But these, these homegrown, local, up and coming designers are really to credit, I think, for starting this industry, <clears throat> serving this audience. Um, but it's good because a lot of them have gained some mainstream appeal as well now. There's especially in the States, there are a lot of brands, Muslim and Jewish especially. There's the Frock NYC, which is a Jewish brand. There's Mimu Maxi, which is a Jewish brand. There's Abaya um, bi- a Addict. Um, there's one called Verona, which is based in Florida. They landed at Macy's and now ASOS.com in the UK. So it's, it's great. A lot of them are getting a lot more coverage now, but also a lot of them are kind of slipping off the radar because they can't compete with these mainstream brands, which is kind of a shame. It's an industry that they help build, but it's an industry that isn't really supporting them
1: anymore. Thank you so much for joining us. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.